Welcome, welcome back. Well, we are back at it again. Another episode. Stay focused podcast. I am Artie Delgado, cinematographer, DP, and Steadicam operator. And first of all, just a really downright cool person to hang out with. Uh, good to have you guys back. We are super excited to just keep talking. And uh, man, some good, good stuff coming up. Uh, we've been getting a great feedback from all of you guys out there that have been listening to this podcast. We it is, just tell you guys, you guys have inspired me to do more. I'm getting pumped up about it, and uh, we're being a little more intentional with it. And so, uh, we are excited to be part of this back again. So, today, um, we just before we get into that, I, it's been a, it's been a good year this last year. I mean that from all aspects of team building, team growing. We have learned a lot this last year. We have taken on a lot of new projects, stuff we had never done before, stuff I had never done before, and um, been intentional. I think with building the team bigger and. Um, it's showing and I'm excited about it to see uh, more people teaming up with us and, and partnering us. And uh, we got some good guests coming up in the next few weeks. So I'm super excited for you guys to see that. Yeah. Today we have a, a very, very unique and special guest today. We talked last week a little bit about kind of where it came from and what I was all about and what I've been up to and where I've come from, but you know, we might as well get right to it and, and hear from the man himself of where I've come from today. I have a very special guest. My father, Art Delgado is in the building today. Dad, hey, welcome. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. I, I think before I even get started, me and my dad have a very good uh, relationship. But one thing we share is Seinfeld. We are big Seinfeld fans. Oh we can go hours and hours of just talking episode. Okay, now you're on the spot. Tell me one of your favorite episodes of Seinfeld. What is one of the things oh, that you gosh. enjoy? <laughs> well, here. you know, I am also a big Seinfeld fan, and um, it's hard to pinpoint one. Yeah. I think one of my favorites might be um, the episode where Kramer had uh, reproduced the Merv Griffin set yeah, on, yeah. in his home, and anybody that would come in, <laughs> almost kind of like what we would did, would come in honoring them. Hey, we got the next guest in here. Let's yep. get him in, and they'd come in and they look confused at what's going on, but. Uh, it, it just really made me laugh a lot and how, how they, he all put that together. And, and, it's, and, it's, and everybody goes along with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And, and we know that every time we yeah. do that through our lives, we are at dinner, lunches, we are everywhere, and we can build in a, a, Seinfeld, yeah. a Seinfeld episode somehow, some way. And then our, your, our mom just looks at us and rolls her eyes yeah. like, oh, brother. Well, I'm a big Seinfeld fan, but not as big as you are because you memorize all the lines. Yeah. I mean, Seinfeld, we bring up a, sci a scene from Seinfeld, you'll... you'll You'll think about it, and next thing I know, I have a half hour of dialogue going on <laughs> yeah. of all the parts. So. The guys know. I'm always bringing in quotes yeah. all the time, constantly. But um, yeah, I think that's really good, and, and and to have you here today, I think is very special. I think it's a it's a matter of uh, you know I owe a, I owe everything to a lot of what you do and where you've come from. But to get right into it, I want I want people to really understand where my my work ethic and a lot of my my passion has come from, and I believe it's come from you, and it's it's been watching you grow up and. Give me a little, just tell me, just give me so people can understand a little bit about um, your your journey, what you have been doing in your career and your job. Um, most of you guys may not know, my father has been in education his entire life. Um, as long as I was, in, since I was a kid, you've been in school, you've been doing in school all the way to get your doctorate and then leading all the way up to being the Los Angeles County Superintendent of LA. So tell me a little bit, just so it can a little more in depth on what that is and your level of of a career that you've you've indulged in? Well, I, I, I am really blessed. God has really shown me favor throughout my career and um, started out as a classroom teacher, an assistant principal, a principal for an elementary school for eight years, then eventually an assistant superintendent and a superintendent in San Bernardino City Schools. That's where I started 
my first position as a superintendent. And uh, great time, great career, great great time with kids, great time with adults, got a chance to meet a lot of people. A um, lot of needs, a lot of needs being met, uh, and that I think is what drove me through my career as I saw people begin to improve their own lives. And the, you see kids with uh, meeting with a lot of success. That was always very rewarding to me. And I met a lot of great people that just helped me. I mean, I didn't do anything all by myself. People, I had great people around me all the time. At one point, I ran for uh, uh, the county superintendent's office in San Bernardino City. And I'm sure you remember that because it was a yeah. tough time. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was the superintendent at the time and running a campaign to try to become the county superintendent. And, and, and you have to run for election. I lost that election. I really thought God wanted me to be there. It turns out he had other plans for me. Yeah. A couple of months after I had um, lost that election, I received a call from L.A. County. Now, L.A. County, for those listeners that might not know about L.A. County, is the largest county school district in the nation. Nation. And uh, that county oversees over 2 million students uh, and 80 school districts. And so they gave me a call. The Board of Supervisors called me in. I, I spoke with them, met with them, and um, they liked what I had to say. They liked the, what I had done in San Bernardino. Mm-hmm and uh, decided I was the guy for the job. And so I, I finished my career in L.A. County, which, um, which is a great reward for me. I enjoyed it. We worked with some, again, great people. I was able to bring a team in. We made some major changes there, and, and uh, we think their changes are going to last for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was my journey. Uh, like I said, I do have a doctorate, but, you know, in my wildest dreams growing up, I never thought that I'd get to, uh, I never aspired to become Dr. Delgado, you know, and um, and so, uh, but only because I had certain people that would interfere in my career some way and talk to me about those things. That's how I became interested. And so there were these key moments, these decision moments when, when people would, would challenge. And, and I was the kind of person that always liked to challenge and, and um, went and, and achieved my, my, my doctorate. And uh, it, I think it opened up a great number of doors for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest piece of that, um, career story that I think I regret the most though is that it took me away from home a lot and um, was at school uh, I would work during the day go to school at night um, weekends working on papers and assignments and so as you know as a, as a result I I felt like I missed out on a lot of things that you guys mm-hmm. you, you you and your sister you know did growing up and and so fortunately for me I had mom mm-hmm. who was always there and always faithful to keep things going and, and, uh, and I, I might just add that I know I have you on this podcast but for those that are listening my mom is here yeah. and in the background mom can you say hello in the background just somewhere back there hey, everyone. so she is here I know if I'm she, saying something wrong she'll give me the, some yeah yeah she'll be poking us somewhere yeah. in there but yeah I, I agree with you she she <laughs> has definitely come through and um, we have had this conversation too about you feeling like you had not been around and but we we've mentioned this conversation we, we didn't feel it once I mean the way that you balanced out and the way that you were had in your you had a relationship with us and you still made us feel important and you did basketball games. I mean, you coached my basketball games growing up. So it wasn't like I felt anything missed and I don't think I ever really felt that absentee at all. And so whatever you were doing at that time, I never missed that at all. So you did a really good job, but to juggle it all between, you know, you doing worship bands in the garage to, you know, doing church every weekend. I mean, not just church, you were involved, you were doing piano and worship you were leading that, um, plus school and work and doctorate papers and um, going to the universities in between all of that and teaching and all that in between was, 
I think you guys can start to hear the amount of work I thought I was around the, the nonstop hustle, I guess you would say that you provided on a regular basis. I observed that growing up. Um, well, you had to because I had no choice really, early on and early on when you were just a toddler, we mom and I would, would uh, go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday nights in choir practice. I had, I had the band that I was in at the time. And we take you guys everywhere with us. If, yeah. if it got late, we just put you underneath one of the chairs, and you know, all, all bundled up in, in, in pillows and, and blankets, and you'd go to sleep while we did choir practice. And and so, yeah, I don't know how we how it all worked out, but it yeah, did. It did. Yeah. Well, I, and and you know, bring it, it, people might be asking, okay, well, how is this related to me as a filmmaker? How is it related to me as a cinematographer, a photographer, or creative? You know, um, we're talking today really about a lot of work ethic. And this is something that um, people, when the drive that I have got uh, really comes from this man right here, my father. It comes from the drive of I've seen this in years. And so it is something that I have been able to accumulate over the time and grow into. And it was a matter of really finding my passion to then then take that going forward, but having the work ethic already. I think you might have seen a lot of that in the music industry when I was doing a lot of that. I mean, you know, once I got yeah. into that, it was nonstop. Nothing stopped yeah. me from... That, that vision of doing a record and an album in the studio and you knew that the what about the marketing that I would do the, the independent marketing that we would we would come up with and the ideas and things it was just our uniqueness of trying to do that um, but I think a lot of that all came from the very watching you work and then also seeing the repercussions of it the hard work that you went into and you know this man still found time to build decks in our backyard and oh. I mean, he didn't hire out anybody. He did it the work himself. If it was a matter of construction to the home or doing something, he did it himself. He wasn't, I mean, he didn't hire a gardener. This guy did it himself. Um, oh, I had a gardener. You had a gardener. No, no, yeah. I don't even know what you're going to go. I already know what you're going to say. <laughs> I had a gardener. It was my son. He, he did a pretty lousy job. And every time he went out to cut our grass, I mean, I always ended up with two or three broken sprinklers. <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, my uh, ad- adolescent way of not wanting to do the chore. <laughs> that if I did a horrible job, maybe he won't have me do it. But, no, you made me still do it. <laughs> I still had to go out there and do it. Give me an idea, like, when you see your accomplishments today, and what you've you've accomplished and your your legacy you've built in there, what are some of the biggest satisfactions you've had out of that? What is what, what could you say is like the ending result, like what you've accomplished everywhere you've done and the things you've gotten out of that? I think, you know, the most satisfying thing is knowing that others that are still doing the work that are currently still working call me, ask for advice, and want to know how I did certain things. That's, that's somewhat gratifying because you begin to feel like, okay, I was doing something right enough so that people want to know how, how, how did you get this done? I always strive to uh, accomplish things on the job that what I would tell those that were training under me that institutionalize whatever you do because what that means is you, you're going to uh, leave a legacy behind and it'll be because the, the work that you're doing sustains itself because it's worthwhile for everyone not just for you not leaving something a name just for yourself um we did a program for juvenile court school kids kids that are incarcerated where where the educators didn't feel they really were capable of learning anything we came in and and in three years time turned that program around and i felt that that was a real worthwhile project for me because because it was such a great need and it was of such value to to so many kids there even after I left, 
it, someone coming in after me would have no choice but to continue it because it was obvious that it was making a big difference. And so those are the kinds of things that I that I try to invest my time in as a mm -hmm. superintendent. Mm -hmm. And now you going into that success and you've seen that, um, bringing it back to relative because we want listeners to see how that relevancy of your your legacy and your work ethic and. The, what did you see building growing up as you saw me kind of, you know, what was some of the things that even I maybe we've had conversations many times, but what are some of the things you started to see uh, as the upbringing for me to lead into where we're at today? What were some of the things that you what did you notice? What well, did you well, there were a few things and I'll, I'll mention a few. First of all, creativity. Uh, we saw creativity in you very young um, because I mean, the one thing I can remember clearly was when we were living in Roland Heights. Uh, we came, we came out and and uh, noticed that you had made yourself a some type of a uniform. It looked like a catcher's mask, a baseball uniform. Yeah, yeah, for baseball. Uh -huh. Yeah, and it and you made it out of a tennis racket. You had it tied up against your face. And if a ball hits that that face with that tennis racket, he's going to feel it. But nonetheless, <laughs> you look like a catcher. Uh -huh. So uh, we noticed you had a real creative streak in you. But the other thing, Artie, that that I noticed about you really young was the way you were really. Uh, a people-oriented person. Even when you were a, a toddler, uh, and we used to walk through the markets, and if I were carrying you or if mom were carrying you, strangers would come because you would always be smiling at them, and uh, you were real quick to, to make conversation with people. That's a personality trait that we saw very, very young in you, um, and, and you carry on that today. Uh, it used to be that when um, I was in the height of my career and you guys were little or younger, people used to say, well, yeah, that's... Um, uh, that's that's um, Dr. Delgado's son, or that's Art's, you know, Art's son and daughter. Uh, it it became very noticeable to us, especially at church, when people would we'd meet new people and, and we we'd say, "Well, you might know Artie; he's our son." Oh, you're Artie's parents. So suddenly the roles were reversed, and now people know us as your parents, not necessarily that you're my son, which is a real, uh, again, we're very proud of that. It's, it's, it makes us real proud because we know that you're investing in the things that you should be investing in. Uh, another thing that I noticed growing up is you were not a quitter. Uh, you focused on things, even even as far back whenever I coached your basketball team. Uh, you were probably the smallest, the shortest kid on the team, but I was the coach, so I was going to throw my son in there, right? <laughs> yeah, no choice. And, yeah. and uh, so I throw you in there, and you never back down. Now, you fell down a lot, but you never back down. And you were pretty fast, and pretty soon you had the respect of all the other players out there. You didn't quit. You, didn't, you weren't afraid of the bigger players. You took your shots. And then as you progressed and became older and you got into rapping, we noticed that everything you did, you weren't satisfied with just doing it like other rappers were doing. You had to have special entrances, you, you know, mm -hmm. special effects going on on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you planned it out so far in advance. And I used to watch that and I used to see the time that you put into it and, and, and the amount of energy you put into it and the creativity. I thought, you know, he really is dedicated to this. And um, you didn't let anything discourage you. We, we, we tried not to discourage you, but I guess even if we had tried, you would have not been discouraged because you had your mind made up and uh, you just plowed forward until you got what you thought you were after, mm -hmm. and it always turned out pretty well. I said, "Tug on this kid, <laughs> he is—he is something else. He, he's going to get his done, no matter what. It was hard to, to to dissuade him or to discourage him. So I—I I thought that was a very, very positive quality, very, very good, and very proud of you for that. Yeah, and and the 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 hip hop thing, 
give me a give me a, a we've had conversations tons of this so a lot of what you guys are hearing are discussions we've had but i think it's kind of interesting to hear what was going through your mind as you and mom and as you saw your you know you've been you've been in education world in the, in the ethics college and the years that you've gone through and then to see your son wanting to be a hip-hop artist and wants to be in the studio and Wanted to be like the New York cats. You remember how I dressed? I dressed like you guys don't even know. I just like like the. I used to dress like the East Coast stuff, like because right. that was my big thing. We and noticed you'd make fun of me, like why you wearing a pant leg up like that? You don't do that, and why you wearing Timberlands and <laughs> yeah. this thing? Because I was very big influenced by the East Coast hip hop scene, and so what was going through your mind as you saw that? I mean, even though you know you you see your son doing that, what, what was there an offset there? Was there something that still said? Even though he's trying to do this, he's got to find himself. What was it discouraging on your end? What was that going through and to, to see where, what came out of that maybe? Yeah, what? well, you know, back then we weren't real thrilled with the hip-hop scene because it was so commercialized and the kinds of things that the media would portray for hip-hop was never, it was not really always that positive. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, you were going in a direction that we thought was really positive. Uh, I didn't get the styles, and but I also reminded myself and, and, and mom and I would talk about it. Hey, when I was your age, I would try to always be in, you know, what was going on stylish-wise. And so I always prided myself in being, you know, in with what was happening. So I just figured, okay, he's trying to be in with what's going on. So it really didn't bother us that much. The, the thing that I did notice, though, is when you were involved in hip-hop, you did a lot of writing. And as you asked me as an educator, I saw that happening. As I saw you write more and more, and you, the amount of time you spent writing, I began to think, you know, this is probably a good thing. <laughs> he's spending so much time writing, he's going to learn some things academically that might he may, may not have thought of in the past. Hmm. Now, the spelling was different, <laughs> very creative spelling. but <laughs> That hasn't <laughs> changed. The spelling is still yeah, off. But, yeah. but I figured, you know, uh, it's okay because I saw that improve as, as you began to get more into the hip-hop and um, the... the um, the manner in which your, you know, your poems and things that you did uh, to the rhythms and the, the, the beats and so on that you did, I thought, wow, this is, this is really a talent. You know, I did not expect that, you know, because as you well know, I did a lot of songwriting and singing and so on and so forth that something without a melody didn't make sense a lot to me. So the hip-hop thing that, well, anybody could do that. But really, as I tried to do it kind of unbeknownst to you, right? Mm-hmm. In, my, in the shower, mm -hmm. trying to hip hop myself, mm -hmm. some of my own. I figured, oh, I could do this. And I started going at it, and I get so all confused. And wait, this is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So. I never knew that you did that. Yeah. Just, just to try it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What did you see as the growth? Now, there was a big, and, and that's what I kind of want to get into too, is that there was a big moment at, at a certain, uh, in 2001, that was a big transition for us as a family. We would do shows every night, every weekend. We were always out. And so we were coming home one night from one of our shows and we had done the you know the late night dinner thing whatever at some late restaurant and we're heading home on the 10 freeway in west covina and i was actually rear-ended by a drunk driver coming home uh this drunk driver hit us at 90 miles an hour we were doing five miles an hour because they had merged all of the cars into one lane traffic coming home and so we were that last car and we got rear-ended by a drunk driver and crushed my car in half and actually caused the car to explode on impact and because of that, I have sustained two, uh, I just gained third degree burns to both my hands. I had uh, burned up the, you know, 20% of the, the of my hair was gone. My ears had been burnt. Um, tragic situation that we went through during that time. 
talk a little bit about there was, a, and so we went through a, a number of two year recovery during this time. And at the time, I was a hip hop artist. We had a fan base. We had been doing some touring. We had, had an album out already, so I had a fan base already based on that. But what was that like? Just experiencing that, and then seeing uh, seeing the transition out of that. What what came after? Because I think for me, and which I'll go into a little bit later, but there was a big transition for me on where my drive comes from. And a lot, I can always go back to that moment in my life from that. But describe just what that was like as you saw maybe the transitions out of that and exp- express that, that that story a little bit. Um, it's a v- very dark time for us, both mom and I. We will never forget the, the morning we got a, received a call from uh, CHP saying, uh, are, are you, you know, are you... Uh, the father of Artie Delgado, and we answered. I was the one that answered the phone, and uh, Mom and I were just hanging around, typical morning, and uh, said, "You need to get to the hospital. Your son's been in an accident." And we tried to get um, information about it, and he, they wouldn't give us any information over the phone. Um, but um, the hospital did tell us, "Look, it's going to be a while before you're going to get a chance to see him." Uh, we're not certain what his condition is because he was involved in a very serious car accident where there was fire involved. And uh, we did, we, we have found some uh, charred n- nasal hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that is usually an indication that uh, perhaps he has some lung damage. We won't know for about 48 hours. Uh, we recommend that you go out, get some breakfast. It'll be a couple of hours before you could see him anyway, and then come out, come to the hospital. Mom and I, you know, tried to be brave about the whole thing, but scared us to death. We just were scared to death. We just, the worst thing a parent could hear, that your son's been in an accident. But we did. We took the advice. We went down to the local Coco's and decided to eat some breakfast. But all we did was sit there and cry, the two mm-hmm, of us. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. We were sitting mm-hmm. there crying in the, in the, in the, in the um, dining room. And we just, we got up and said, we're leaving. We're not going to stay. We're going to go straight over. So we went over. And uh, we saw you in some the most hor- horrendous condition that we thought we'd ever see you, and uh, we 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 did what I think we should have done, and we got down on our knees. We prayed. We knew that God was going to have to deliver you, and protect you, and take care of you, and and um, you know, make a long story short, we you know we thank God He did do that exactly that. We were grateful you had no serious lung damage, and you pulled out of that. But when you finally were able to talk to us, you you shared some very you know. Um, another way to put it is grown-up stuff. I mean, you you began to talk to us about how you began to see things that perhaps before that you hadn't seen, and uh, now that you understood what we were talking about, and and um, I don't know that God sometimes does things, doesn't He? Yeah, I think it was it, it really was a wake-up call, really, for from day yeah. one. Um, you know, people ask, dude, I don't I don't know where you get this drive. You know, the drive. There are people that are twice my age, younger. Uh, that say they can't keep up <laughs> and I yeah. laugh I laugh at that but really um, the idea is the the drive is this is this is this is second time for me this is this is this is time I have bonus right now for me yeah. uh, this is time that I am now gained I, I've got spared me and spared our family from this this tragic situation has left me with a second chance to do a, do something and so the time isn't over and so I think since then I've been running and, and, and gone nonstop since then. And so, um, 
yeah, lots has happened since then. And, and there was a change instantly from me, from a spiritual side, all the way to um, just the drive side, knowing there's no time to waste on anything. And I think that's a kind of a daily thing that I grind on is that there's no time. I don't got time to do this. If I'm going to make this happen in the next couple of years, I got, I've got to grind this out now. And uh, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about just, you know, the idea of uh, momentum of like, I handled myself like an athlete in this field and in this work. And the work ethic that I drive in is knowing that if I want to get to that pro level and be playing with pro athletes, I've got to handle that level. And that's all come from that momentum at that time. So yeah, that was a very special time for us. And um, we, we, we have family time where we bring it up every once in a while. We talk about it and, um, but well, the thing that, that I've noticed the most is it is your lack of fear of anything. <laughs> I mean, you, you're yeah, uh, nothing scares you. Uh, no project too big. You know, there's, there's no idea that you don't think you can pull off, and um, that's what I think has has is driving you to to continue to do great things now is because it doesn't scare you to try it, and uh, I think your work uh, ethic has uh, has bore some results, uh, some fruit, and um, people are noticing, and I and I've noticed, and I've seen the quality of what you do is just uh, really very very professional, and and it's because you're not afraid to try you know, a new camera technique, get the biggest piece of equipment or put together a premiere of some kind that people are going to all be invited to and show up and throw a red carpet out. And, and my thinking is, wow, you don't have to do all of that, you know, to 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 uh, really get forward, to move forward with your career. But because you listen to an inner voice of yourself that says, I think I can do this and I think I can make it work. And because you have such good people around you that really believe in what you're doing as well, um, it, it, it turns out pretty well. Yeah. And, and I'm I, always impressed. I would love to hear that just a take on that because I, I can vouch for that hundred percent that having good people around you makes everything. Um, the guys around me, the motivation from them, um, the build up, the drive. I mean, even us just doing this podcast has come from the drive of my guys um, and the push to be able to say, you need to be doing this or we should just do this. And they push well, coming from the leadership that you've come from. And, you know, I lead a team and, and we're all leaders and I'm trying to build leaders out of that. But what could you say is basis on some of your success of having a great team and how you built that? You couldn't have done some of the bigger changes by yourself. I mean, the, you've grown your way to get there, but what would you say is some great uh, leadership tips that you have had that's made you good at what you do and successful in, in the drive with your team and a team-based? Well, I've always um, had a really good team around me, and, and I look for people who have better ideas than I have. And, um, I mean, they may not even realize it, but I do, and I, that's why I listen to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And it might always be the way it comes out from them, uh, the way it turns out. I mean, I may change it because because two minds are working on something will always improve something. So, But I always try to listen to my team and see what they have to say and any cautions that they might give me um, uh, because it makes me a better uh, leader. My, my job as an educational leader was always, and I always say this to my, my team, look, your job is to make, bring to fruition all of those things that we talk about in this room. How do we make it work? What's step one? What's step two? That's your job to do that. My job primarily is to look around the corner, see what's coming, and say to you guys, look, in another year or two, this is what we need to be ready for. How do we get that? How do we get ready? And so I had such a good team around me that said, okay, they didn't see it. I saw it. That's my job. I'm the visionary. I'm the one who sees things in the future. And their job is to be ready to welcome that future. And so because I had such good people around me, we were prepared for things that most people didn't see coming. 
and we were able to avert great catastrophes and some districts were really falling apart ours was managed well our budgets were good we had teachers where we needed them and it's because you begin to predict things that are going to take place and if you have a good leader who can see that see around the corner and have a good team that says i can help you put this together let's do it together and you you kind of step aside and let that happen then great things can take place how much of how much of that of that development when you did that was your ability to, to let go of things versus take on the things you did. I mean, you kind of had been through all those steps all the way up to where you got. How much of that did you decide to let go of before, I mean, how far into your career before you started realizing, I need to let go and let these guys take on the things that even though you could probably do a better job right then and there, you had to delegate or let them do it. How much of that was some of your success or what was that like? Because for me, as, as any any you know director or any kind of lead, your tendency is to say, I'll just, it's easier if I do it myself. I, 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 let me show you, I'll just do it myself. And, and I get, I would get called upon, you know, even putting on a premiere, I would find myself getting scatterbrained to go moving over here, getting pulled out of one job to another. Cause I would just do it myself. How much of that would you say is valuable for anybody to lead, to delegate and feel that trust to give it to somebody else? What, what was that? Right. No, I, I get you. And it's critical. It's a critical skill. Of course, when I was a principal at the elementary school, your principal does a lot, does most everything, unless you have a vice principal. But but in my case, I didn't, so I did a lot. Uh, when I first learned that lesson, however, was when I became when I went from a director's position in a district office to an assistant superintendent's position, and the superintendent approached me one day and said, "Art, you're still acting like a director. You're not a director anymore. Mm-hmm. You're an assistant superintendent. Delegate that to your director." So I did, wasn't used to having someone under me, and letting them do the things that I knew how to do, but now I need to trust that that person needed to do that. And so um, I learned that then, and then when I became a superintendent, that became a lesson that, that made a lot of sense to me because now I needed a team. I wasn't an expert in the money piece of what was going on in the school district, but I did have an in-house expert, an assistant superintendent who knew those numbers. And I needed to learn and trust to say, okay, give me good numbers. All I ask you to do, give me good numbers. If you give me good numbers, we're going we're gonna to go far with this. So I had to trust that person to give me good numbers. If the numbers are wrong, my role was to go back and say, you gave me wrong numbers, go back and do it again. But So there's an accountability piece there, but I always trust my people. If I ever reach a point when I didn't trust someone, that person didn't last in my, on my team. That person had to move on somewhere else, perhaps they'd be happier, but not with me. And so I, I did learn to trust good people. And it's interesting because pretty soon, if you're successful in something, uh, good people want to be around that. Mm, and mm, good people good. were coming to me and saying, uh, let me know when you have an opening. I'd like to be a part of that. And so it just kind of ensured over time that I was going to continue to have a good team. And uh, so that, that made it really uh, manageable for me. It's such a large organization as L.A. County or even San Bernardino, which is a very tough uh, place to work because of the poverty that is there. But uh, those things always help me. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that, that's exactly the, the concept of having a good team around you. And you're, I think you said something very vital that, that uh, when you are doing great things, you tend to attract. Um, and I've heard this before, and maybe you can vouch for this. I always heard that if you feel like you, a level one to 10, and if you think you're a nine, you're attracting sixes. That's just what it is. You're not attracting nines. Because nines are doing nine work. So what you're doing is when you think you're a nine or you think you're an eight, you're technically attracting fives, sixes. 
because the guys at your level are also doing their thing. So you got to be that 10, 11 to be getting eights. Yeah, and then you start building them into that level of tens. And I've learned that too. And, and so you want to be able to, you say you have good people around you. And when you do good work, people will, will follow. And so now it's just a matter of getting that work and making a difference. It happens over time. And once people start to see that big work over time, they want to be part of it. So Right. And, and uh, how do you know that you've done a good job with the people that you're working with? Well, they go on to do greater things. Um, many of the people that were my cabinet are now superintendents. Mm, yeah, see, that's good. They worked under me. Now now they're, they're, they're in charge yeah. of their own districts. And so you look back and, and they call me and they'll say, hey, Art, I'm, uh, I have uh, one such um, colleague like that who now is the county superintendent in Riverside. Mm. She was my deputy superintendent in San Bernardino, became the superintendent in um, uh, Moreno Valley, and now she's the county superintendent in Riverside. Mm-hmm. So, and there's several other superintendents that have gone from my cabinet level to those positions. And um, yeah, I'm proud of them, uh, but uh, they call and, and let me know what, what pieces that were put together when they were under my leadership still worked for them and that they still use to this day so that's gratifying to hear that mm-hmm. i mean it's not it's it's not what my goal was my goal wasn't to do that but it's an outcome it's one of the outcomes yeah i think sometimes when you're really doing the amount of work that you're doing you're not going to really see it until years later because you're not you're not doing it at that moment for that for that you're just getting by to that next step and it's over time that you get to see this legacy that you've you've accumulated. You weren't necessarily looking at you when you first started your career, looking at being the superintendent of Los Angeles. Right. You just ended up making your way there step by step by step. So, but you got to look at the short goal first right. to get to the next step. Maybe you have a bigger vision, yeah. but you're getting to your next step. Yeah, but I'll, but I'll say one more thing that, that, that I think is important. And I think it's important for you or anybody else that is in this particular the, the career that you're in. Is that there's a certain degree of humility that needs to be a part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Understanding that God is the one that goes before you and God provides favor for you. Not everything we do is just because we're so great and wonderful. You know, things th- things happen sometimes because it's meant to be- happen that way. And and I think the humility piece of it also attracts people who want to work with someone, want to work under someone where they feel valued and they feel like what what you know that I'm not trying to lord my my success over them, but that they see that that. I'm not full of myself. It's there's there's uh, there's something else that attracts them, that goes beyond me, and that's what attracts them to it as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's not just us. It's a bigger, bigger power, and God has really blessed our family, blessed me, and surviving that accident has put you know favor over a lot of what we've done and and humility. And I've been put in that position many times, and it's a very humble position when you're just like, I can't do this on my own anymore. Mm-hmm. I need more help. I need right. my guys, and um, I think that that's huge. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Those of you guys that are out there doing what you do, um, you're hearing it firsthand from somebody who I've seen since I was a kid and and, um, doing his field, and and I've taken a different journey. You've seen that. I didn't necessarily go into the education world. I kept the same work ethic. I followed in the footsteps of my dad, but doing it a different route and still working at trying to do something great. I don't, following in his footsteps is hard to do, but but the love is there. The passion is there. Um, And you know what? After watching all those uh, Van Damme movies growing up over and again and watching Predator a million times, could you say it was worth it? 
Bloodsport. <laughs> Each one was supposed to be the best movie you'd ever seen before in your life. Yeah, yeah. How many movies did I sell you on to watch? You've got to watch. Yeah. This was back in the day when you'd rent movies, right? Yeah. And as a family, we would always have to take pics. And as we got older, it was like I had to sell my parents on, no, trust me, this is a good movie. And we would get it. And then you'd be all yeah. like, oh, brother, you know, so. Well, I will say, though, Ari, I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of the way you've accomplished what you've done. And it's a, it's really a pleasure to see you now as as I'm retired now and, and supposed to be taking it easy now, and I'm still working to some degree, I'm very proud of what you've done and, and see the way you carry about yourself and your career. And um, I, I enjoy watching those that you're working with because they become friends of ours too. Mom and I enjoy uh, the people that you are around. And um, and I appreciate the way you, uh, you make others feel important. And that's hopefully that doesn't end. Hopefully that never stops because... Uh, I think people want that, and they, they, it makes them feel special. They'll you you get it back in return tenfold. So mm-hmm. it's just funny the way it works. You elevate other people, and they elevate you more. So, yeah. and I and I, I think it's just the way that God gives back. So it does. I just and be careful. Yeah. I'm so blessed by that too. I mean, I, I never would have thought we'd be doing this right now, doing what we're doing, and 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 people are eating it up and, and enjoying it. And they're loving the support from all of you guys that are supporting us. We couldn't do it without you. You guys are literally the, the reason why my dad had just said the confidence in me, the the the, um, the non not having any fear to take on new things. It's because of you guys that have supported us, have backed us up, and and said you can do this. We believe in you, and um, we all need that. I think, and that's what we I want to build in a team and continue growing. That is that we all need that, and so you guys really have been a big part of of where we're going, and this is just the beginning. So it's super exciting to do that. So. Um, I, I think that's great. Uh, I wanted to just, just to, uh, we have a couple questions I wanted to answer. You guys have been doing really great at, at throwing in some questions, um, to get some more experience. And we want to be able to answer some of these questions at the end of each podcast. John Jacobs, he goes by John passions on his Instagram has asked, um, you as a businessman, uh, what are some tips uh, in business that you would give to people who would like to pursue in the same lane? Um, has there ever been a moment where you had to take a moral stand and say no to a shoot? Now, um, this is an important question because, you know, growing up in a film world, you, you are passionate about what you do. And sometimes you can lose a, you can lose focus, uh, as just the name of the, fo- the, the podcast here, stay focused. You can lose focus, uh, when you're so, uh, gung ho about trying to get that job or you're trying to make that money, you're, someone's throwing some money at you, but then you start to. You know, it's not, it's something that you don't believe in. I will say an example. I got asked to do a music video and they were going to be taking place like at a strip club. And that was the whole thing with it, that we're going to do this thing. And right off the bat, it was like a no for me. It just wasn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't resonate. It was something that I just didn't, you know, want to be part of. It didn't, nothing has come good out of it. And something morally just wasn't part of that. So there have been situations that have come across my way. Um, I've even had some stuff where uh, there's just, uh, it's just not the right fit. It doesn't go with what you do. And you have to really stand strong on what you believe in and the things that you can say, though, those are crossing the line. I don't want to be, uh, you know, um, affiliated with that. Uh, there's sometimes where even it's a crowd of people where I've done music videos where you can get a vibe of a client or you can get a vibe of somebody trying to hire you for a job that you can tell that is just either two things. It's going to be more trouble than it's worth. Um, and then it's not going to, it's not going to benefit you in any way. It could be more trouble than it's worth. Um, or maybe you're dealing with, um, guys that are real reckless or guys that are just, they don't pay and things like that you're going to deal with. So we have dealt with that a number of times, but as far as a business, um, aspect, 
I've had to learn that business. I am by nature not a businessman. Uh, I've learned the business. I've learned to get better at it. And like you said, Dad, um, was to bring good people on that do have good business sense. And so I do have good friends of mine that do and part of the team that did our business sense. Um, my buddy Frank Garcia has actually, you know, he, he has the business major. This is what he does. And he helped get the business line and the business license going and get it all started. And so those are the things that I've had to learn, but I've had good people along the way. Um, pushing the motivation, you know, just having, you know, Jordan Keith, just who, who's another guy who just pushes me and says, no, let's get this podcast. People want to hear it. We need to get this out. So those drives and having good people around you. I think is smart to having good business. They grow you as a businessman. Um, and like you said, uh, the, you, you can't do that without those good people. I mean, that's one of the things. If you can find people that know these things more than you, you're doing something right. You're attracting good people because in order to be really successful, at least where I want to get, uh, I would never be able to do it with just my talent alone. And so blessed to have that. So I think that's huge. So, um, and John Jacobs, who asked that question, is also another team member that's always been coming around who we met and is just great at what he does. And um, you don't, John, thanks for asking that question. And I hope that was helpful because that's, that's really what we need is, is more business sense of this field because that's how we're all going to be doing long-term longevity and big careers. So. Let, me, let me add something for John. Yes, this. yes. My Christianity has never hurt my career. Mm-hmm. Never. If anything, it's enhanced it. Mm-hmm. Because people recognize when you know who you are and what you stand for. And uh, we as Christians, unfortunately, in today's world, we're too afraid. We're too afraid to say what we really believe mm-hmm. because I guess the media has really, really sold us a bill of goods that we need to be ashamed of so, or, or afraid uh, of who we are as, as standing for Christ. Is never hurt me in my career, ever. And, and in fact, I, I think it's really helped me so that people understand that I'm a person of principle. I know who I am and I know what I stand for. And uh, again, it attracts people who want that, want that. And I think more people in society today want that. They want to know, they want to be around people who know what they stand for and don't compromise on those things. And so um, I know my time was a little earlier than today's society. Like my career is now done. Um, formally, but um, it's still it's still valuable because I get asked a question by a number of people who are coming up the up the ranks in education. What do you think is important? And I always tell them, know who you are, know why you do things. That's much more important than you know than to know how to do things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can always learn how to do things. You just don't always know why you're doing it. And if you don't know why, then you don't stand for anything in particular. And you have to know what you stand for. So uh, don't compromise that. And, and, and I think people appreciate that. Yeah, that's, for, that's, that's fantastic. That's great. Pop, thank you for coming in today. Um, thank you. Thank honored. you. Um, I'm wearing your Brink Baby shirt. Yes, uh, yes. Somebody mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I guess that makes me Brink Daddy. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. I'm very proud um, of you, Emil. Keep yeah. the work up. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, um, don't forget you guys can get uh, Brink shirts, Brink hoodies, hats, and don't forget the Brink socks. We have available, you guys pick them up on uh, BrinkBaby.com. You guys can also see this podcast on iTunes and also BrinkBaby.com. And guys, support the brand. Um, when you guys do do that, we, we constantly tell us that when you guys are supporting the brand, supporting what we are doing, you are also supporting the other things that we are involved in. We do help with the community. We are built dealing with urban kids and um, getting stories out there. And when you do support a lot of what we do, 
um, we are allowed to give back more and give more time to help with those. So don't forget to pick up uh, that bring product when you get a chance. And thank you for listening to the state focused podcast. And um, what an honor to have my family, my father, my friend, my role model, and um, just somebody that I love very much. So dad, thank you for being here today. I love you too. And um, mom, we love you in the background. We love you. I know you're here and um, we'll see you guys next week on Stay Focused. Three, four,